I expected more applause too, Lily. There it is. Hey, you guys, welcome to church. Uh, my name is Matt Moberg. I'm one of the leaders here at the table. We are thrilled that you are in this space with us. Our, our hope in this space is that you are coming to uh, remember and also remind one another that who you are is more important than what you do, even if what you do gets more attention than who you are. Let's touch base with our center. Let's touch base with one another. and Let's walk out bigger and better because of it. I have a couple of announcements that I need to get to you really quick before our main attraction Douglas Paget and company will be hitting the stage. First announcement is this, is that we have a Lenten midweek. Uh, this is a Facebook Live where we do a little chit chat. It's kind of been hit or miss. I thought, Meg, I'm not looking at you and saying it's a miss. I was gonna say that you and I, we were make, but other times it's been a miss. And um, we're working on it, but it's fun. So come and participate in that conversation. Actually, I do wanna say one thing really quick. I know we don't really have space in the announcements for this because it's already full, but Maggie asked me a question last week about making it to one year sober. And she asked me a question that I hadn't really considered before, but I want, she said, what does it mean, or what did you want to say, do you want to say anything to the community? I didn't think about much prior to that moment, and to be honest, I haven't really thought much about prior to this moment. But I do want to say, as I was driving in today, just thinking about the past year and whatnot, how grateful I am for this community both for the space in here that has held me up through the, the hardest parts, and, um, but also just the people who have consistently been in my corner offering up encouragement. I, I love this community for 10,000 different reasons, and everything that I hoped we would be about, like I got to experience the good gifts of that firsthand. And so for me to you, just really quick, I know it's not an announcement, but it is heartfelt. Thank you so much. It means more than you know. Now let's get back to business and not make this so personal. Second announcement is this. Setup team, um, we have, uh, we're doing a setup team. Setup team is how this whole thing happens. The lights, the camera, the fog machine, uh, pyro, everything in between. Steve Manning is the leader of said setup team, and he's just looking for some assistance. And so if you would like to be a part of that team, if you've kind of been like, man, I would love to contribute in some way, shape, or form to the table community, not really sure how, not much of a chatter, not much of a, uh, you know, whatever. This could be a good way to, to lean in and help out and, and lift some of the heavy things. And so if you want to be part of the setup team, that is gonna be happening Sunday, April 3rd. We would invite you to show up. There'll be like a little training orientation of sorts that Steve will lead through that. Next announcement is uh, we have Queer Folk at the Table. Queer Folk at the Table is a community of LGBTQIA, and they come together, support one another's stories, in their journey, how do you enter into this faith together and hold one another up? Um, that space has been beautiful. There's a lot that could be said about that space. If you identify as a queer person and you are looking for community to come around you, uh, this would be an ideal starting spot. That would be a dinner at Debbie's house. Debbie, are you making dinner that night? Casserole? Pasta? What's on the menu? You're not gonna tease it at all? Wow, okay. That's happening Sunday, April 3rd, following the service here. And it, her house is stone's throw away, so we'd invite you to come out to that. Next announcement, we have book club that is last Thursday every month. Again, that's at Debbie and Steve Manning's house, uh, our second campus. And it's happening at 7 p.m. What's the book right now? Okay, I'm going to say what she's saying because I don't know if people are hearing her. It's an awesome book. It's like a fantasy genre. What's the title again? House in the, House in the Cerulean Sea. 
Awesome book, Fantasy Genre, good people reading it. Jump in on that. You don't have to um, have any of it read prior to. You can just come. It'd be advantageous for you to have some read, but this is a time, again, if you're looking for community connection of any kind, jump in here. I should never do announcements again. That's what we're learning right now. I do want to invite Terry Gould up, though, because Terry has an announcement on some of the refugee work that we've been doing. Terry, floor is yours. Hi, guys. Is this working? Okay, yay. Hi, I'm Terry Gould. I know many of you, of course. Um, so I'm going to read what I have to say today to hopefully avoid crying, but just forgive me if I do. So early this fall, Afghan folks fleeing the Taliban started arriving in the Twin Cities. This was not at all normal refugee resettlement because these people left Afghanistan in an extremely rare U.S. military evacuation. I came to you all and asked that you donate children's items and donate to a fund to help fill the gaps inevitably left by the system to meet the basic needs of our new Afghan neighbors here in the Twin Cities. I'm already about to cry. It has been absolutely mind-blowing and incredible for me to see what you all have done. In the first 48 hours of people arriving in Minnesota, I had two carloads of things for kiddos who had nothing but the clothes on their backs when they arrived in Minnesota. Over the last six months, you all have donated culturally appropriate cookware, blankets, lots of religious items, undergarments, clothing, kids' toys, kids' books, lots of kids' items, baby items, bottles, diapers, dish soap, and so many more items to help people have their basic needs met and live with dignity as they set up their new lives here in Minnesota. You all not only donated money, but so many of you gave your time and even your professional expertise to this operation. This includes grant writing advice, medical care for children, running all over the place to collect and deliver items that were often on an emergency basis, ravaging through your kids' stuff at home to donate when you received a last-minute text from me, um, sorting and organizing donations, responding to my random texts and calls and pleas for help, and this is one of my very favorite things, the table kids drew pictures to welcome their new friends to Minnesota. Okay, you all are really amazing, like beyond belief. This has been an incredibly difficult operation and I cannot give you details, but I can tell you that over and over again, the table has been brought up and gotten cheers from the leadership team. And this has been an incredibly bright spot in a, in a difficult, difficult operation. I have seen predominantly white and predominantly Christian organizations in this operation fail over and over by imposing their own values and not being led by the current Minnesota Afghan community. Every time I see this community, you all are showing up open-hearted and open-minded, willing to learn and most importantly taking the direction of Afghan community leaders to tell us what their community needs. Of course, we are not the heroes of this story. These incredibly brave people who moved across the world to an extremely different culture are the heroes of their own stories. We are just their neighbors, and I've heard you all say loud and clear, welcome. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thanks, Terry. And Terry, on behalf of this community, like, thank you 
for, for leading the way that you have and for bringing us in on this work. It's holy work, it's sacred work. It's, it's why we're here, right? I mean, we're here not to formulate different intellectual ideas and move the furniture around and how we believe in God. It's here because we want to be equipped and empowered to love our neighbors well, period. And, and so thank you for making that possible and for being insistent with your invitations. It's, it's, um, it's beautiful. Another announcement, and then I promise you I'll get out of your way. Uh, we have our Good Friday service. Good, it's on Good Friday, April 15th at 9 p.m. This is not exactly kid-friendly. Kids are welcome, but it tends to be a more somber, reflective space um, that's honest and that is open. And so if you are looking for a space like that, we would invite you to come and sit with us in the dark on that evening. Okay, did I get everything? Almost. One more announcement. Come on, Matt! Texting. If you want to be involved in this community or, you know, just bare minimum stay connected in some way, shape, or form, text the word TABLE to 33222. So next time we have a guest speaker or event or something popping up on the calendar that you ought to know about, Maggie Keller will personally text you and let you know. Last announcement. I quit. <laughs> Last announcement is if you want to support this community financially, uh, you can do so in three different ways. You can give online at thetablempls.com. You can text any amount to 84321. I don't know about that way, but I've heard it works. And the last one is we have an old school box that's um, it's back there behind me, and you can put cash or checks in there. Now let's talk about Doug Padgett. There is an event that's going to be happening after this with Vote Common Good that is going to be powerful, beautiful. They are going to be um, showing some of the documentary they are working on from the stories that they have cultivated in their ride along the border wall. And there's, I want to, invi I want to implore you to please stick around afterwards for it because it's important. It is so important and the conversation is going to be um, catalytic in a lot of different ways. If I could though, I just want to say something about Doug real quick before I hand off the mic. Debbie and I were talking recently, maybe it was a little while back now, about just, you know, starting a church community that is inclusive and affirming and celebrating all of us whatsoever is, is beautiful and important and it's urgently needed. We need more communities of this kind. It, it does come with some hits when you are leading it. You hear from a lot of different people. And in one of our particular conversations after one of the hits came through, we were saying how like, yeah, it's, it hurts and it's hard. And it can leave a mark. But it's not always happening and it's not always hurting because people like Doug Padgett went first. People who have led this movement of love on behalf of the church and brought us into a new era. That's what Doug has been, not just for our city, but for our country and in 10,000 different ways. He is somebody who is confrontational with his convictions, but he's consistently cultivating empathy, and that's why he's somebody I look up to. That's why I'm excited for you and me, for all of us to learn from him tonight. So will you please give a big table welcome to my friend, Doug Padgett. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Debbie. That's nice. Nice to hear. Uh, hey, really good to be with you. Um, I was just sitting there doing a little calculation because I was thinking how long I've been in on this. Uh, I'm 55, but I haven't been doing this kind of thing that whole time. I, I did the math, and it's been 2,028 weeks that I've been thinking about how should I organize and live my life to be congruent with the story that I see 
in the life and teachings of Jesus. So if you, some of you are really quick at math. I bet Dave has already done the math on this. She already knows. That's 39 years ago. It was 39 years ago on April 1st that I ended up walking in with a friend of mine to the Jesus People Church in downtown Minneapolis, which previously had been the State Theater, then for a while was the Jesus People Church, and then after that is now again the State Theater. Uh, but for a brief while, there was this, they did a, a play at Easter time. It was called a Passion Play. I didn't know anything about Christianity whatsoever. I had never been in a church building. I had seen buildings like this. My friend Danny Oakland and I broke into the Good Shepherd Catholic Church over in Golden Valley where we lived to steal playground balls and we ran by the, uh, the sanctuary. That was as close as I had ever been. Had no idea what went on, didn't really think about it, didn't really, it was just, it was less interesting to me than most other things. And I didn't have any context. I literally didn't know Christmas and Easter were related to each other, just that sort of person. Maybe you're like that, and if you are, welcome. Uh, glad we're in on this thing together. Because a lot of other people, they like know all that stuff from the time they're little. You know, uh, our kids, Shelly and I married, and we have kids, and they grew up knowing this stuff, and the little sweeties that were just in here, like they're picking it up. But I was one of those people that didn't know it. So I wind up at 16 years old, sitting in the balcony, watching this play happen, and something that was going on on that stage really connected with me. I knew zero theology. What I knew was there was a story of someone who was suffering, someone who was betrayed, someone who was accused of being the wrong kind of person, and then was put to death because the political leaders and religious leaders conspired together to turn against that person, and they crucified him. And then, instead of coming back in justice and vengeance and wrath, he came back preaching a story of forgiveness. In fact, hanging on the cross, if you're familiar with the story in a passion play, like they act out like the last week of Jesus' life, he says, big line in the whole thing, Father, forgive them for what? For they don't know what they're doing. And I'm like, there we go. There's another version than vengeance to those who are harmed. So I start, I honestly thought, well, there's the crescendo to this whole thing, right? I have no idea what's sort of coming next. And that story enraptured me. So I've spent 2,028 weeks, apparently, trying to figure out how should I, could I organize my life to be more part of that story. So I've tried to do everything I could in sort of half-broken ways to create communities that could do this. I started a church over down the street called Solomon's Porch. I used to work at a church in Eden Prairie called Wooddale Church. I worked for big church net networking organizations, spent a lot of times in churches, uh, went to seminary and got a master's degree and all this kind of stuff, trying to find my way, because I didn't know anything. I didn't know the story of the it's taken a little while to sort of navigate that because it turns out, we all know this part, there's a lot of other versions of the story as you make your way through all of this, right? Like what this thing is all about. Rather than trying to find the places for the other people who are turned away, abused, harmed because religious and political forces conspire against them. So we're going to invite you to join us downstairs because uh, one of the things that you know, I did in these 2,028 weeks was organized a cross-country bike ride last September. We started on September 11th and rode our bikes from San Diego, California to St. Augustine, Florida which is 3,156 miles. And that might not seem interesting to you, but I know it's interesting to at least one other person in this room, and I see that look on your face there. Um, so we got to ride across the country, and much of that was along the U.S.-Mexico border. We rode every mile of it. 
and we met people. We met people who are telling the story of those who are turned away and are hurt and harmed by the conspiring of the political and religious communities of our age. So in other words, the beat goes on. That's been, um, this whole journey that I've sort of been on uh, has allowed me to just meet so many great people. And, and you know, I, uh, I like this show called, um, called uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. And Larry David has this line where, where uh, somebody says, Larry, you don't even like people. He goes, well, I like humanity. I just don't like any particular individuals, you know. Uh, I like all of humanity and actually like people. So it's been a really great experience. The people that we met on this ride are the refugees that we're talking about. Now, they're not the ones that Terry mentioned from Afghanistan. Shelly, my wife, is in one of these Afghan circles, too, and supporting a family that's coming here. There are times where people in our country, the regular old folks like us, our political systems, our religious systems, we all get together and we do the right thing. We help the Afghans because we know we were involved in what's going on in their country. We're helping Ukrainians because we know that they can't help themselves. Sometimes we do the right thing and it should inspire us. And then sometimes those very same people can't muster up the energy to again do the right thing. And this has been the compelling story of Jesus's life. So through all this work, uh, I've been introduced to sort of two versions of Jesus. Jesus says the miraculous exception. At Easter time, you really get to talk about this one. That one's not as inspiring to me anymore as the other version of the story, which is Jesus as the magnificent rule. Not the one that has to break the rules, but the one who sets a new pattern for life. That's the one that I think you see in the Gospels. The magnificent exception is the one you, we get through our theology, and for a lot of people, they like both of those, a little left brain, right brain kind of thing. But in either way you come into it, either as Jesus the miraculous exception or Jesus as the magnificent rule, you end up in the same place needing to think about the people who are impacted the way that Jesus was impacted. So it's Lent, my wife reminded me, she said, you're going to say something. Well, she actually said, hey, I was listening to the sermon here at the table last week that was recorded, and that's when I found out you were preaching the sermon here. Uh, I didn't even know, um, and you're going to say something about Lent, right? Uh, now, the reason is because I've been gone. Uh, uh, last week, we drove to Pittsburgh, and what we're going to do downstairs in the lower level of this church at 615, we did in Pittsburgh, and then we did in Columbus, Omaha, or Columbus, Ohio, and then in uh, Michigan a couple of times, in South Bend, Indiana, and Madison last night, and now we're here. So we're on a tour doing what we're doing, which is telling the stories of the people we met along the way. I would love for you to come downstairs after this is done at 615 and see just for a brief moment. Maybe you stay for the full time. It takes an hour, 15 minutes or so. Maybe you stay for just a moment of it. I know all of you can't do that for many reasons. Uh, so some of the people that are downstairs are going to be part of this sermon with me. So you're going to hear from Dan Dietrich in a minute. He's got a song that uh, means a lot to me and I'd love for you to hear. You're going to hear from Dora Rodriguez and you're going to hear from Alma Ruth. Just little bits, little samplers to benefit your life now, but also to encourage you downstairs. Because this invitation to be a part of those who need our support and our help, it is ongoing, and there are some particular things that I believe we need to do as people of good conscience, of human empathy, as faith communities engaged in our political system, and that is to move our political system so it does things more like what we're currently doing for Afghans and Ukrainians, and do that for people in Mexico, El Salvador, Honduras, Venezuela, and all the other places. We know the good impulses. Oh, there we go. We know the good impulses. We just need to do it more often. 
right? right? Let your love be even more often. Uh, what, some of the stuff that's going to happen downstairs I want to share with you here, uh, some of you are going to see here in a minute. We're also going to do a little bit of trivia, and one of the trivia pieces that we found uh, in doing this work, are, a, a lot of people say, look, we have to treat people on our southern border the way we do because we really have to, th there's a lot of danger that comes with, with refugees and asylum seekers and migrants. Anybody heard that story before or heard people talk about that story? Um, so we found this, this little information, and then I look at you and you put this up. It turns out that uh, a short list of things that are more likely to kill you than in the United States than a refugee. Cows, stairs, hot tap water, dogs, maybe, vending machines falling on people. This is from the Cato Institute. Swings, your very own bed, wind, more likely to harm you. We tell a story in this country all the time. A story, many stories in this country rather. We tell many, many stories. One of the things that we want to do is help you add to that story. Matt mentioned it. We're making a documentary about this because we think that documentaries help people tell better stories. Quick little survey. How many of you watched a documentary in the last two months? Yeah. How many of you have told somebody about the documentary that you've watched in the last two months? How many of you were disappointed that they were never as excited about the documentary as you are? That's how I'm feeling right now, right? Uh, I'm excited about this documentary. I know you're not as excited about it, but please make a moment. Stop for five minutes downstairs, just on your way out. Say hello. Meet some of these people. You're going to hear from Alma. You're going to hear from Dory. You're going to hear from Dan. And later, you're also down there going to hear from Vanessa. You're going to hear from Nick. You're going to hear from Simon. So anyway, there's some people to hear from. That's going to be worthwhile. And what I hope they will do is to expand for you those who are journeying with you as you follow in the magnificent rule. I have a friend named Rob Shank who used to be a real activist in promoting the use of guns in our country. He was a Second Amendment rights activist. He's no long, he no longer is. And Rob Shank says, it was the day that I realized I cared more about the Second Amendment than I did the Second Commandment, to love my neighbors, I love myself. That golden rule, that thing, you start letting that fester for a while and it starts getting to you. Now, here's what I know about this community. A bunch of you have stories that we should also hear about and that people should be making documentaries about, right? So I'm not, act I'm not asking you to come down because you don't already do good things. I'm asking you to come down so you'll find new journey, uh, new, new sojourners on the journey that you find yourself on. Does that sound fair? So I'd love to have you come down um, and, and to uh, uh, start now to hear some of these stories. So I'm gonna introduce you to Dan, and Dan, maybe make your way up. Um, can I intro this song a bit, or do you want to say something about it? Uh, a couple of years ago, we traveled around the country and tried to ask people to make the common good their voting criteria. I run an organization called Vote Common Good, and that's what we do, especially religious voters, especially white religious voters, especially white evangelical and Catholic religious voters. Really want them to see an identity in their faith and politics as something more than just uh, an affirmation to a political party. So we traveled around the country and we asked them for faith, hope, and love on election day. Now to us, that meant something very specific, that you would not vote for Donald Trump again. But we said to people, you make the conclusion you want. We said, we're, we're not here to convince you Donald Trump is the problem. I like to say the man's like a self-cleaning oven. He does all the work for you. So if, if he's not a problem for you, then that's fine. You just keep going on. But if he is, just know there's another option because a lot of people don't always know that there's another option. We've realized there's three things people need. They need new information. They need to know stuff. 
A lot of us just, we didn't know. Our eyes open up. We wake up. But then they also need an invitation to join in that new knowledge in a new way. And third, and this is so crucial, and they don't always even go in this order, but the third is they need a community of participation, something to join in. They want some people to say, I know you've been going that way, but try going this way for a minute. Now, I'm particularly passionate about that because I was a 16-year-old kid sitting in the balcony of a state theater looking down at a story that said to me, why don't you try this way for a while? And I've been at it for 2,028 weeks. And there might be some other people that are looking for a new path. Maybe it's first to the Christian story or sort of a refreshed way. So anyway, we're driving around the country doing this. this so people keep telling us about this particular song. Like, if you heard this song? If you heard this song? It's on YouTube. It has, you know, 5,000 listens, 15,000 listens, 60,000. Am I lying yet? Seven, seven, am I lying yet? No, I'm not, am I? 70,000, like, in two weeks. And it was called the Hymn for the 81%. And we listened to it, and I'm like, oh my goodness. I don't cry at a lot of things. The movie Places in the Heart, Bruce Springsteen music on an airplane, and <laughs> Sweet Little Babies, and Dan's song. Um, and so for the last uh, couple of years, we've been traveling along, and uh, it's one of the best sermons I've heard. Uh, and so to partner with him to do it, I'd like to do that. Um, and then you're going to hear from Dora for a brief moment, and then you're going to hear from Alma, and then we want to invite you to come on this ride with us. I know you can't come on the ride with us that we did along the U.S.-Mexico border where it took us 66 days and rode 3,156 miles, but we're not done on this ride. We're still going, and we want to take a bunch of people with us to say that our brothers and sisters that are coming to our southern border and saying, can you do for us like you've done for others in the past and currently? Can we join you? Can we be part of the we of we the people? Is actually a call not only of our nation's language, but it's also the call of our faith that everyone's invited to be a part of the we. Uh, so I'll stop talking so Dan can make things better. Hey, everybody. My name is Dan. I'm from South Bend, Indiana, and uh, just so grateful to be here with you. And uh, I really do hope you stick around afterward and uh, get to know Dora and Alma and, and all of us. We'd love to get to know you. Uh, it can be kind of lonely being uh, the one or two people in your community that care about things like refugees and uh, the, the ways the world is breaking. And uh, so we're really glad to have you guys uh, in our corner. So thank you. I grew up in your churches Sunday morning and evening service Melting tears at the foot of the rugged cross Taught me every life is sacred Feed the hungry and clothe the naked I learned from you the highest law is love And I believed you when you said I should trust the words in red To guide my steps through a wicked world I assumed you'd do the same So imagine my dismay When I watched you lead the sheep straight to the wolves You said to love the lost I'm loving you You said to speak the truth I'm calling you out Why don't you live the word 
that you put in my mouth May love overcome and justice roll down Before they started putting kids in cages Ripping mothers from their babies And I look to you to speak on their behalf Oh, but all I heard was silence Or worse, you justified it Singing glory, hallelujah, raise the flag See, your fear it turned to hatred But you baptized it with language Torn from the pages of the good book You weaponized religion And you wonder why I'm leaving To find Jesus on the wrong side of your walls And you said to love the Lord I'm loving you now You said to speak the truth Well, I'm calling you out Why don't you live the words That you put in my mouth May love overcome Justice roll down better than this You taught me better than this Come home Come home You're better than this I used to think you were better than this Come home Come home Oh Maybe I was too naive Or I just didn't want to see There's always been a little poison in the well A church is built on stolen land Nation built by stolen hands And we use the Bible to justify it all Yeah, from slavery and segregation to these mass deportations This is who we are but not who we have to be There's a lot of work to do To pull up the evil by the roots But repentance has to come Before there's peace You said to love the lost I'm trying to love you you said to speak the truth That's why I'm calling you out Why don't you live the words That you put in my mouth Be love overcome And justice rolled down 
love overcome and justice roll down. Thank you so much. Dan will sing that one again downstairs if you want to, if you feel like, you know, it's early on to come downstairs, hear that again, and then if you need to go. Uh, I'm going to introduce you to Dora Rodriguez. We met Dora, we were biking along and got to Ajo, Arizona, and um, one of our organizers there said, um, I think you'll want to meet Dora, and uh, you're going to find out in a minute why, and then we've now been Trampening or traveling around with Dora. She flew up and uh, now we've been, you know, traveling together for 10 days. So uh, this is uh, Dora Rodriguez. Uh, you're going to see a video uh, downstairs that's in the documentary about the work she does. But. I'm short. <laughs> short with a big heart. No. <laughs> Hi, my name is Dora Rodriguez and I am from El Salvador. And um, I have been in this country. They gave me a home, a second home, for 41 years. I raised my five kids and three grandkids that now I have. And um, I really would love to see you guys to go and hear a little bit more of our story and what are we doing in our southern border. Thank you so much. Thank you. Which one is the one with the donations? And she left. Oh, oh my God! I gotta recruit her. <laughs> I do. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you so much. And I just want to invite each of you to come and join us, learn a little bit more of what's going on in our borders and how we have we have respond to the crisis that. We're being told that it's going on, but it's really not happening in our country. It's happening in our neighbors, in our borders. So please join us. And uh, you want me anything else to say? He's the boss, so I have to listen. <laughs> For 10 days only. <laughs> um, well, I... Um, I don't want to say much because I want you to come and see us. <laughs> but um, I came to this country as also as a refugee. I, w I left my country when I was 19. Do the math. You know how old I am now. I, um, I came because the civil war in my country in 1980, where um, 75,000 people die or more in my country and it lasted for 12 years. Um, when I turned 19, I had just finished my high school. I wanted to become a social worker. I have always been a person that I like to work for justice and organize, and that was a big no at that time in my country because I would be a prime, prime target for the dead squads that formed and killed my brothers and sisters in our country. So, as I tell everyone, there is not one person I know that lived behind mother, sisters, brothers, family, their culture, their dreams, their life, put them in a backpack and leave. 
and that's who he owns. So there's none, a person that I know that will do that. You live because it's life or death. So please join us. They will show a clip of what I'm doing in the southern border to really to honor the people that didn't make it in my journey and also to be present every day for my brothers and sisters who are seeking protection and asylum and they are knocking on our doors. And thank you so much for each of you who opened that door for them. Thank you. There's this great idea in the Christian tradition of Jesus being the word of God that becomes flesh and dwells among you. If that was a one-off, it wouldn't mean so much. The reason we pay attention to that story in the Christian tradition is so we can see it in our own lives, right? So you can see when the words you talk about walk around with you and are with you. Um, is she to Alma? She's going to come up. Well, we met, well, she comes up, I just want to mention this. Uh, we met a whole lot of people doing really good things on the border, almost all of them on shoestring budgets, quite literally having to use Amazon wish lists to be able to care for refugees that are trapped on the wrong side of a wall, created by U.S. policy and by U.S. popular support. And almost always, they were women. It's Alma, it's Dora, it's Sister Lika, it's Maria, over and over and over. It is this violent, heavy-handed, masculine, border wall patrol thing, and then the people bringing goodness and humanity and life in the midst of all that uh, are, uh, are people like uh, Dora and Alma. And so, so Alma, thank you. Uh, you're going to get to hear more, I promise you. Uh, it's just little snippets, but it's, and this is not just to tempt you into downstairs. It's um, also to give you something now, so just so you'll remember, there's always more going on, and there's someone you can meet. So if you can't stay, fair enough. But if you need to go down to McAllen, Texas, or to south of Tucson, Arizona, and you say, I don't even know who I would talk to, Dora will take you in, Alma will take you in, Sister Lika will take you in, Maria will take you in. There's, there's friends waiting for you there, so you're never alone uh, when you get involved in this. So, hi, Alma. Hi, guys. How are you? Um, my name is Alma Ruth. I am from Monterey, Mexico, which is northeast Mexico. I am a recent immigrant, and I am a senior uh, missionary. I'm a very conservative, Pentecostal um, woman, of, woman of faith, but um, I have been serving indigenous Mayan women for the past several years at the borderlands. Um, my children and I were planning to be serving Syrian refugees uh, for a long time, the past 15 years. We led seminary students from Mexico to serve in Slovakia, Czech Republic, North India, Palestine, and we were planning to be there by, by now, right? And in such a way that my two children, my two boys have Arabic names because we were ready, we are going, right? And the Lord has taken me to this detour in my own border, in, in my own country. And it has been a blessing, it has been life-changing, and the Lord has brought people into my life like Dora. I'm in love with Dora already. I'm gonna go see her in Arizona with Dan, with Doc, he's one of my favorite peoples already. And, and, and because what we're trying to do is to invite you, invite people of faith, 
to practice justice, to practice mercy, to invite you so we can change the history of our nation and the history of many other nations together. We cannot do it alone, you know, and it seems that uh, since the resurrection, the message of the resurrection was entrusted to women. And we continue to proclaim the risen Christ through our practices, through our lives, through what we do. And we serve in very dangerous areas. You know, Mexican borderlands are very dangerous. My, my city where I serve is Reynosa, Mexico, which is level four by Homeland Security, is, is so dangerous. And, but yet we do that with a whole heart because it is wrong what's happening in our borders. And I wish that we would welcome asylum seekers the same way that we're welcoming Afghan refugees and Ukrainian refugees. And we were talking last night with Dan and I said, I wonder why is that? And the reason is that, well, Ukrainian refugees, well, the Russian guy is bad, right? So we have to help them. In Afghanistan, we messed up the country, so we need to help them. In our southern border, it's like, build the walls, secure the borders, and send more troopers. I'm on the Texas border. So we have National Guard, we have the military, we have state troopers, we have uh, ICE agents, Customs and Border Patrol agents. We are secure, let me tell you. I live a few miles from the border, and um, I need to, can I have that little, the little, um, I need to read something for you. And, um, and we are secure, I, I can assure you, you know, there's bar wire and there is many other things, but uh, our purpose here is to invite you, when Jesus was telling stories, uh, he was trying to communicate the message of his kingdom, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And when he was talking about the Good Samaritan is, he was asking this guy who was, who went to seminary, right, who, who was very religious, and um, he was telling them, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers, the guy who was hurt? And then the PhD guy said, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. So tonight we are here, and Dora and I come from sunshine. We are allergic to cold weather. You guys live here on your own free will. God bless you. Come and see us, defrost in Arizona, defrost at the southern border by Texas. You know, I live an hour from South Padre Island. Please come. You can stay with me. We've promised to feed you really good tacos. And we have the real deal. No Taco Bell. We don't do Taco Bell. But come down there. And, and so we, we are doing this because we want to invite you. Come and do justice with us. Come. And, and I have learned so much from Doug. And I've just fallen in love with him and the way that the Lord has created him. The Lord, how he invites us. Who is included in the we? And I'm going to adopt that to speak to people because in Spanish and English and whatever it is, because who's included, you know, and, and, and the ways of Jesus is love God with your mind, with your heart, with your body, with your emotions, and love your neighbor as yourself. And who is my neighbor? And these guys were trying to get out of it. It's like, well, you know, who's my neighbor? And Samaritans, we don't hang out with those dudes. And these ones, no, we don't like those. And uh, we just are here, Sadducees, Pharisees, and all these guys. But at the end, it's like, who do you think is your neighbor? The one who show mercy. Okay, you think that? Go and do it like he did. 
So thank you for caring for Ukrainian refugees. Thank you for caring for Afghan refugees. And now here we're begging you, help us to care for the southern border. Help us to care for these women and children who are fleeing horrific circumstances, who are fleeing to save the lives of the children from MS-13 and cartel movement and organized crime. And it's no joke, you guys. I am Mexican and I can assure you, cartels are a big deal. And and they are, you and I would say, you know, in America, right? In America, you say, I will do anything for my children. But it's what these women are doing. They're trying to save the lives of their children. And so you and I, together, we can reform immigration system. We can stop demonizing the, the immigrants. We can stop creating a stigma on these people and said, well, can you just imagine? Let's, let's just put it in, in a... In a a practical way. Can you imagine a Cinco de Mayo without salsa and chips, without Corona, without tequila, without margaritas, without guacamole, on a Cinco de Mayo? Let's shut down the Mexican restaurants, let's shut down Taco Bell, let's shut down we're not gonna serve anything Mexican or anything Latino. Can you imagine? And you say, well, those illegals coming to our country, who's gonna pick up your, your strawberries, who's gonna pick up your tomatoes, who's gonna clean your, your hotels, who's gonna wash your dishes in the restaurants, who's gonna do your, your yard, who's gonna build your roofs? Really, you know, they're stealing the jobs of the Americans. What American kid is gonna go to the strawberry field and pick up the strawberries? I would like to meet one. And so, you know, so we just be practical, but in this, I, I just want to adopt what Doug is inviting us to do. Who is included in the we? And as the Lord said to us, go and do likewise. So we invited you, come and see us downstairs, and let's change the world together with love and mercy and acceptance, and we will have a better United States. God bless you. Thanks, y'all. Thank you, everyone. The music, the words, um, can't help but move any of us. And you know, we, we follow a Jesus that calls us, right, to love the lost and to speak the truth and to live live the word and when we gather on Sunday nights and one of our rhythms is taking communion together and I think when we pause and we take communion together we're coming home I love those words Dan we're coming home and when we come home we're reminded of a God that calls us to justice and mercy and humility The night before that God died on a cross, he sat in a room with his friends and broke bread and he said, this is my body broken for you. When you eat this, remember me. Remember my ways. Remember my preaching and teaching. And likewise, he took wine and he poured it into a cup and he said, this is my blood shed for you. When you drink from this cup, remember me because I came for every single one of you. I see you. You are mine. You are created in my image. 
And so that's what we do. We take the bread and we drink from the cup and we remember the call to come home, the call to love our neighbor. So we invite you all to take your communion cup and you can peel it back. There's a wafer there. you'll dip it into the cup and please hear these words as you take that wafer the body of Christ broken for you his blood shed for you I think the beauty of communion is it gives us a moment to pause from all the busy and the crazy reflect on the words and experiences and the music and be reminded of the call in our lives to be moved to love our neighbors in a way that might be uncomfortable and stretches us and, but that's why we have this moment so if you could stand together let's pray the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray our God who art in heaven hallowed be thy name Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Sing. tonight to join this movement of mercy will you just do me a quick favor and close your eyes and hold out your hands and receive these words from the heart of God friends no matter who you are or what you've done who you love or what you've lost where you've gone or the places that you've stayed know that there will always be a seat here for you at the table because you are a beloved child of God and beloved you belong We'll see you downstairs. Y'all are loved.